You're listening to the Co-Creator Network. When you change the way you look at things, the things you look at change. Good afternoon. Welcome to Why Shamanism Now, a practical path to authenticity with your host, Christina Pratt, director of the Last Mask Center for Shamanic Healing. She's talking about how shamanic skills can bring us to physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual well-being, especially when nothing else can. Now, here's your host, Christina Pratt. Welcome, everyone, to Why Shamanism Now. This is your host, Christina Pratt, and I'd like to begin here today by calling in our helping spirits. So I call out first to your ancestors and to mine, to all of those who were here before us, those who met the challenges of their time and discovered how to live well. I call out to these ancestors who bring all that is good and true and beautiful in our lives. And we ask them to share with us this great legacy that helps us uh, to draw on the wisdom of those who have gone before us and do what we are called to do in our own time in a good way. Help us to know when it is right to innovate, to heal, to change, to move on, to do things differently. And when is it time to hold true to traditions? Because these are the things that root us and help to make us strong. We ask the ancestors to help us to know the difference, to help us to develop that wisdom in our time, and to be the true force for healing, for change, for innovation, and for beauty that our time is calling. So I call out to these ancestors to be with us here today. And I call out to those ancestors that were here long before there were humans, to those other living things here on earth. And I ask them to be with us here today as well, to help us to remember that which abides, to help us to cultivate those things that do go with us when we die, to help us to remember what is truly important in life, how to laugh at ourselves, and how to understand again how to be simple in a way that is good for all living things. And mostly I ask these helping spirits to help us to remember that the greater world of nature loves our songs and help us to remember to sing and to offer our songs up as prayers and as blessings and our gifts to the larger world around us. And so as these ancestors gather round, let us gather ourselves. Let us draw our awareness from wherever it might be into our head, from our head to our heart and our heart to our belly and from our belly let us reach down and take a moment and stop everything. And touch the earth. Touch the earth with our heart, if we can, even with our hand. But to touch the earth and to give thanks for this day. Give thanks for our life. Give thanks for all that has been on our journey that has brought us to this moment. For this moment itself and for all that will be. We give thanks for the earth for this opportunity to love, to grow in our hearts, and to share what has meaning and purpose in our lives. We give great gratitude to the earth for the beauty and the diversity and for the generosity in this dream that allows us as humans to change anything as long as we are still breathing. And for this, we give gratitude for life in its many forms. And as we move our energy down into the earth, we allow our gratitude to pour out into all the layers of the earth. Let it pour out as we go down and down and down and down into the very center of the earth and anchor ourselves firmly there. And as we anchor our awareness down in the center of the earth, let us tune in to this deep and abiding energy, that which rises up to the surface of the earth and becomes the abundance that we all depend on. Let us tune into that energy before it is abundance. Let us tune into that energy that is deep, that is dark, quiet, still. Let's tune into the silence and these energies that actually restore and replenish and renew us. And we connect to these energies and reach into them and draw them up, just like plunging our hands into sudden clear water on a long, long, hot, hot day. And we draw this energy up into ourselves and into our day, into these proceedings. And we draw up the wisdom of manifestation, how to be in form in a good way. We draw these energies up and we use them 
to ignite our wisdom of groundedness and how to be grounding and we connect down into the center of the earth and get a sense of place get a sense of who we are and what we stand for you get a sense of where we stand our sense of our own sovereignty and dominion and we create a sense of home a sense of place and belonging a sense of hearth within that home and as we set our table may we set a place for the other may we welcome in those who are different than we are and invite them to share their own truth that we might be provoked by others into a deeper and broader wider more colorful understanding of who we truly are and through this greater connection with ourself may we extend out as we connect with nature and the larger sense of things from connection to interconnection to this great web of life and may we have the blessing in this day to know our place in that great web to know our sense as a part of this great oneness and from that to take our right relationship with ourself right relationship with others right relationship with the environment and right relationship with the invisible world and as we come into this right relationship grounded and clear let's bring our energy up from our bellies to our heart and our heart to our mind and send this energy up and out through the sky and whatever weather it holds for you today to connect with the day and out through the atmosphere and out into the cosmos and all the heavenly bodies all the mysteries and we reach out to the highest power of the universe and connect with that energy by whatever name you know it it doesn't matter we connect in this way with this divine force know ourselves in it and it in us and we begin to draw this energy down drawing into ourselves drawing into these proceedings drawing into our day the essential energy of blessings the energy of protection commitment and devotion we call these energies in and with it all the wisdom of the cosmos we call in the benevolence of this world the inspiration and illumination and the beneficence of this existence we call this in and ask it to infuse our day infuse our mind and our heart and our belly and help us to be in the world as a blessing and as we send this sky energy from above down through us and all the way down to the center of the earth we complete this connection within us between these two great legendary lovers earth and sky and we feel within ourselves or imagine that we can feel the big love and we ask that big love to awaken our own hearts and let that crucible of transformation come alive within our hearts and call up the fiery passions of our belly and draw down the crystal clarity of our mind and we bring these energies together in our heart and let them dance a wild and passionate tango and out of that dance let this third energy come alive whether we sense or feel or simply remember why it is that we are here and may that energy then find courage in our own heart to do something to actually do something large or small do something in this day to bring those gifts into true manifestation in the world and for all of the spirit help that we have in every day to do this I give great gratitude and as the helping spirits gather around I ask that what needs to be said be said here today and what needs to be heard be heard and these proceedings go forward in a way that is good for all living things I also want to thank the human spirits and the spirit of generosity I want to thank Melissa and John and Malama Mary Anne and Marsha and all of the listeners who have donated to the show because it is your donations that keep the show alive and on the air for those of you that are tuning in for the first time why shamanism now is 100% listener supported it is because of the listeners and their generosity that the bills get paid and the show continues and um, I'm grateful everything donated goes directly to keeping the show on the air and so if this show is meaningful to you in any way, if it moves you in the heart in any way, even if it moves you to frustration, I mean, sometimes inspiration, sometimes humor, but sometimes irritation, that's fine. You've been moved in the heart. The heart has a great array of emotions that need to be played in life. And if those 
the music of your heart is being played by the show, please do something, large or small, to help the show to grow. If you're not able to donate financially, do something else in this great interconnected world world to share the show, to use what you hear on the show in your own shamanic life, to start an altar practice, to bring it into your journey circles, to share it with your children. Whatever it is, do something to use these teachings in a way that allows you to have questions and send me your questions, send me your show ideas, help our engagement with these ideas to begin to evolve so that we can truly be contemporary people living shamanically in this world not just people practicing this modality called shamanism and switching and changing it with other things, but that we understand the true practical application and be shamanic people in this contemporary time. And so I thank you for this great experiment. That is Why Shamanism Now. Thank you for supporting me. The easiest way to do that is go to whyshamanismnow.com to the show website. All the archives are there, but there's also a support button that you can click on donate any amount large or small it all goes directly to keeping the show on the air and if you don't want to do that you are welcome to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org and i would be happy to give you a regular address for a regular check so thank you everyone for all that you do to keep the show vital and current and valuable um, today's show is called the challenge of love and the show is really a response, one, to the fact that we in the Northern Hemisphere at least are in this time of the return, the time to rejuvenate our hearts. And the show is really coming because as this year, this past year, 2014, unfolded, and with um, many of the clients, both uh, long-distance clients and lo- and people I saw here in my little shaman hut, um, there were a lot of people talking about needing to love themselves. It's, it's becoming this sort of knee-jerk phrase of contemporary life, needing to love myself. But what's, what's starting to take um, a tone of impossibility. And honestly, I'm tired of hearing it. So let's do it. Let's meet the challenge of love. Let's do it this winter. Let's stop talking about doing it and let's do it. Let's meet the challenge of love, which is ultimately for all of us to love ourselves and to allow that love to radiate out into the world. So let's do it. That's the challenge. That's today's show. The show is not live today, but if you have questions about today's show, please feel free to email me at christina at lastmaskcenter.org. Who knows? Your email might turn into a great show in the coming year. So here we are in the Northern Hemisphere in winter. Those of you listening in Australia and the Southern Hemisphere can just pull this show out in six months. Um, so here we are in full yin time. And this means that it is the time for yin activities. And these are the activities that engage our emotional life. I don't mean our emotional dramas and our emotional indulgence. I mean our actual life of our heart. And in particular... This is the time for the emotions that we have not taken time to feel or express since the last time we were here, so over the past year. It is about the activities that review the past in a way that we can take accountability where we bailed on ourselves. So it's a way of reviewing the past so that we cannot indulge in the past, but to take accountability for the ways that we abandon ourselves and to show up for ourselves now in a new way. And it is a time after the grieving and release of sadness that is part of the true nature of the fall. It is a time of deep feeling, of moving beyond the grieving and the sadness simply into deep feeling in the heart. And of renewing our connection to the source and remembering the deep longing that holds the reason our souls came into this life. So it's about renewing and connecting with that deep longing that is why we are here. So the return is a Taoistic term. Um, 
But I often, uh, in my home here in the Pacific Northwest and North America, I think about the indigenous peoples of this territory who lived in cedar houses. They lived in great big wooden houses just like I do. Well, sort of just like I do. But the point is they did not live in teepees. And they largely weren't nomadic. They lived, they traveled between longhouses, but they built homes. And they had long, wet winters inside those homes. Because unlike my home, of course, they didn't have electricity. And right now in my area, the sun is down at about 4.30 in the afternoon. And as you go further north into what is Washington and North America and into Canada, further north, of course, it's setting earlier and earlier in the day. So these are short days. I mean, certainly nothing like those of you that are up there um, in the Arctic Circle. I mean, but short, relatively speaking. So there's a lot of time, a lot of time to be inside doing, in this region, doing art. Inside weaving and making hats, rain hats, and making art because you've already gathered the food for the winter and smoked the salmon and you're there just living. It's raining, it's cold, might be snowing. What are you doing? Now, what are we doing in the winter? And when I think about these people in their long houses, it makes me think about the return. And I know it's a Taoistic concept that is not specifically of this region, but I actually believe that this is what people that experience winter, now not everybody experiences four seasons. Some people live in areas that have two seasons, and I don't exactly know how all this works there. But it's connected to our bodies, And the fact that the winter is the time in the the year that the kidneys are doing their work to detox themselves after the lungs of the fall and prior to the liver of the spring. And so whether you have a winter season or not, it is still kidney time. And this is still really what is at the core of what defines the need for the return. And so why is it called the return? Because the return is about returning to the mountain, another Taoistic term. But the mountain is a way of talking about the source. It's the idea of leaving life and our over-engagement in life and returning to the mountain that is the source. And that as we lean into that mountain, lie on the mountain, sit at the base of the mountain and lean back. That, However we want to imagine this, that we are connecting deeply into our own connection to the source, which we all have. We all have an aspect of our inner self whose entire job in existence is to stay connected to the source. And so when we return to the mountain, we follow that aspect of ourself and its guidance back to the source, the mountain, and we lean into the mountain. And in this place, this Taoistic place of the return, as we imagine this in this internal world, is we return to the mountain, we return to the source. And here at the mountain um, is a lake, and the lake is our yin lake. And whether it is empty or full speaks to the quality of our own energetic reserves, our own yin energy, our own energy that we are cultivating to then move into the yang expressions in our life. And for any of you that have been diagnosed um, as adrenal depletion or yin depletion, or any of these things you might get from your alternative practitioners, or simply in your Western world as having exhaustion, um, some kind of chronic fatigue, these things. These are all talking about your empty lake, your empty yin lake. Why is our lake empty? Because culturally, we don't return in the winter. Instead, we're completely overscheduled and over-involved in not only continuing to work because people don't take time off from work, but adding to that the shopping and the family and the travel and the Thanksgiving and the Christmas and the New Year's and in my life even my birthday. So there's all this stuff that is all anti-return. 
And so because of this, because of the way we live our life every day, the yin lake gets drained. And so this is, this is how we can visualize the return as an actual place to return to with this great mountain that calls us. We actually long for this mountain. And at this mountain is the lake. And what we want is to find the lake filled. And usually in winter we don't. And so it is an opportunity as, the, as we work with the detox of the kidneys to step past our fears and move into this uh, place that we have abandoned ourselves, and to begin to meet ourselves, to become accountable to ourselves, to take responsibility for all of these moments and the emotions involved, to feel them, to let the feelings go and draw these aspects of ourselves back in. And so this is actually what it means to love yourself. This is the action of loving yourself. Caring enough about yourself to go back to those moments of self-abandonment and recover. And so the thing about the return is that we're human. And the way humans are, we like faces if we're going to talk to somebody. We like places to go if we're going to be somewhere. We like things to lean on. We also like uncovering mysteries. And in particular, we'd like to uncover the mystery of why we are here. And so the mystery of why we are here is also the same mystery of what do I truly love. There's not really any separation between what I love and why I'm here. It's just different ways of looking at exactly the same thing. So the return, taking time to engage in the return in the winter is the true challenge of love. Can I love myself enough to strip it all away and focus my life on living what I truly love? And what I truly love is that thing which only I can do. It is my gift. It is my medicine. It is the expression of my own true unique genius. It is my face of the multifaceted face of the divine. So the question, the challenge of love is, do I love myself enough to do what is necessary to fall in love with why I am here? And to give my life to that. That's the challenge of love. Am I willing to love my human self enough to manifest the gift that is the essence of my spirit self? So this is the challenge. It's really not a psychological challenge. It, it really is so much bigger than your wounded child and your mom and dad and all your stories. It is truly the deep journey of our life here. Am I willing to love my true self enough to do the one thing that only I can do and to give my life to that? So how do we shape this winter time then, this yin time, into some kind of journeys that we could explore? How do we delve deeply into our inner selves? So I've been thinking about talking about this. How do we meet this challenge? And I think in our understanding of love, there is an evolution. And in the beginning of our life, when we are children... Our issue really is about whether or not we are loved. Kids, left to their own devices, are largely this just kind of this big font of loving. Um, and the, the challenge of childhood is, am I going to be loved? Am I going to be cared for? Will I survive? And love is a life or death issue for children. Only for children. But it is a life or death issue for children. And so... The first part of the challenge of love is to get yourself out of your childhood. So, in other words, to say that you are loving yourself by taking care of your wounded child is a misunderstanding at best, but it's actually a lie. 
because any effort you do to maintain your wounded child maintains your woundedness. The wounded child is actually the shadow of the child archetype. And what we want to do is to free ourselves, our little child selves, from this woundedness, to let that go so that we can have a happy, healthy, inner child archetypal energy. And so the first part of this, so for, for at the beginning, so if you are at the beginning of meeting this challenge, this is largely what you're tuning into yourself, leaning into your mountain and noticing what arises when you challenge yourself to love yourself is all of these childhood places that you didn't feel loved or don't feel lovable. And this has everything to do with the child's expectations of the parents. The child, in its need for love, expects the the parents to take care of it and to love it. And it's not an unrealistic expectation. It's kind of the big archetypal promise in parents, in uh, mothers, fathers, and children. So it's not that the child's wrong for that. The problem is, of course, when those expectations aren't met, or worse, when the actual needs, the true life-affirming needs aren't met. The important thing for you to understand as an adult is it's your job to rescue your child from those stories. It is not your job to continue to fawn over your wounded child. It is your job to get your child out of that woundedness. That is what the return is about. And that is what takes it out of emotional indulgence on one hand or emotional denial on another into an actual memory practice where we remember we current time self show up for the past time self we current time self give the past self what it needs so it no longer needs whatever it didn't get from mom or dad because it gets it from us and we bring that energy back into present time so it's no longer there in the wounded child place but it begins to be healed energy that enlivens and revitalizes our inner child place okay so now the important thing about doing this beginning piece and if and this is very much a show about start where you are if that's where you are if you actually thought until today that caring for your wounded child was how you love yourself then this is where you start is understanding that that's actually a way to continue torturing yourself you don't want to judge your wounded child but the most important thing is is to get in there and get your child out of the wounded stories by giving yourself what you need not by finding a right the mom you wanted in your partner or the right dad you wanted in your partner not by looking for those things in the outer world not by transferring those things onto your therapist or anything else but by recognizing the fact that you are an adult you are connected to the archetypal energies of mothers and fathers and you can bring that energy through you to your child and resolve what is unresolved. Get the hell out of those wounded patterns and get on with it. And if you don't know what I mean, journey to the mother energy. Not your mother, the mother, the archetypal energy. Journey to the father energy, not your father, the archetypal energy. This is true code and will help you learn to do those things. It doesn't matter what you did and didn't get as a child because all of these energies are available to you in the spirit world for you to bring to bear in your grown-up relationship with your inner child. Okay, so what this allows us to do by getting out of this dynamic with the child and their expectations of the parents and their needs with the parents and this constant definition of life that comes through these child parent stories what we're doing is we're uncovering we're unburdening the actual ling spirit of the heart which is the inner spirit of the heart the deep inner truth of the heart which is so alive in children they don't really have much of a shen yet which is the outer spirit of the heart. They're all ling. They're all just heart truth. 
right? And so by getting our child out of wounded child stories, we are actually getting our ling out of the big old heap of smelly wet blankets that are all these old stories that are covering the ling spirit. And that the more attuned we can be to our ling spirit, the inner spirit of the heart, the more truly we can know what, what is right for our heart and thus our know our true calling. Okay. So that's kind of phase one of meeting the challenge of love. So what if you've done that? You've done a lot of that work. You've got clearing practices. You get that. You're moving on. Okay, so let's move then deeper into the winter. So winter winter is kidney time, regardless of what weather you have. It's still kidney time, which means the kidneys are in their natural annual cycle of detoxing. Elementally, the kidneys engage the water element water is the great shapeshifter shamanically you know i mean think about it water moves from liquid to solid or gas and back without hesitation constantly changing water helps us to transform it is a healer it is a reconciler it is a peacemaker and water helps us to transform in particular the things we fear that we may not be able to transform those things that have become our reality then we have forgotten that they're really just our choice so the beauty then as we move into the higher level of the challenge of love and this challenge of loving myself creating a relationship with myself that is actually loving okay not talking about it doing it So this is the way we can talk about this kidney time in the winter. And each of these phases is us leaning into our mountain, connecting to source, and being with ourselves, either in a journey, in meditation, at our altar, but tuning in. Okay, so kidney time, winter time. So first we engage the water element and allow it to soothe us. Cooling, cleansing, moistening. It soothes us from our work of the fall, which was feeling the sadness and the grief. So the first thing I think of it is just going for a swim in the yin lake, just being in the water. But that's because I love swimming. So you don't have to swim if you don't want to. (laughs) So the next phase then is to use the reflective aspect of the water. So we look into the yin lake and reflect And we ask the lake, our inner self, to show us what needs to be reconciled. Where do I need to reconcile with myself, my young self, right? And then I work with what arises, current time self with past time self, right? And so the next part of this process then is as we discover other ways to understand ourselves, because we've done that clearing work, through this reflection, we draw on water's nature and adapt to new ways of being with ourselves. We shapeshift. If I'm no longer going to be the victim because I've rescued myself from that victim place, what else am I going to be? How am I going to adapt to being different in life? And then I move on as we learn and as we adapt, as I learn from my past, not stay stuck in my past, but learn from it. And as I adapt to a more mature adult way to understand myself, as I accept then and I can accept then and draw the gifts out of my shadow self. If I'm just a scared, wounded child, shadow work is going to just scare me and wound me more. But as an adult who's moved into the sort of next phase of this challenge, I can actually draw the gifts out of my shadow work. I can reflect and transform with the patience and compassion that is necessary to become truly trustworthy to myself. So internal trust of yourself is undermined by leaving yourself in the shadow because that's you that's in the shadow. And so you know you're full of shit if you're still in the shadow. And so that trusting yourself, trusting that you're not full of it, that you are going to do what you say you're going to do. You are who you present yourself to be. You are aligned with your true calling. That kind of trust comes from being willing to do the shadow work. And then from that, 
from this unfolding of this even deeper understanding of our past, we gain wisdom. We gain these allies through that transformation of our shadow selves. And we learn from our life. We learn from the mistakes of our own life. And we adapt. We shapeshift. We become a new person. We cultivate this inner wisdom. And this allows us to then engage with a final phase of the water, which is the way that water allows life to sprout. <laughs> you know? uh, this is the energy that allows us to engage our potential. And so as we do these things that I've just described, our yin lake is filling. As we're healing these unresolved emotional issues from our past, be they shadow energies or wounded child or whatever, our yin lake is filling and we have this potential within ourselves and know it to be true. We feel the courage transforming into the bravery to begin to take action. And then that bravery moves us into the world in the springtime. So this is the way that working with the water element of the winter allows us to transform fear and doubt into wisdom and trust, which allows us to um, promote the acceptance of the unknown and the unknowable. It gives us the bravery to face what we do not know and cannot know. And from this place, we are ready to move to the source and to remember why we are here. So this is deep in nourishment. This allows us to begin to uncover the true Shen spirit of our hearts. In other words, that heart person that we present to the world. Not who you are expected to be by others or who others need you to be, but the true expression of your heart in the world. So there's an outer spirit of the heart, the Shen, and the inner spirit, the Ling. And so in many ways, by being present for the wounded child stuff, we uncover the Ling spirit. And by being present for the adult individuation stuff, we, we uncover the Shen spirit of the heart. So the, my point is, so let's say you're someone who's kind of mastered the loving your inner child stuff and the archetype of the inner child is growing stronger and more adventurous. Then you can move into this second phase of loving the man or the woman that you are. And so as you bring this challenge of loving the man or the woman that you are, the adult that you are to the mountain, you're likely then as you look into the lake to see the reflections to be challenged by the the unconscious ways that you're becoming your mother or your father. And so this is not so much about how they did or didn't show up for you as a child. It's about how they modeled being out in the world for you, what it means to be a man or a woman, um, how they taught you about character or lack of character, these things. And so there may be some really fine qualities in your parents that you actually choose to emulate. And that's not really what I'm talking about right now. In this time of the winter, what we're exploring is the ways our parents' expectations of us shaped or limited how we see ourselves or affect the permission that we give ourselves to be a man or woman whom we love. Are you someone that you respect? Are you someone that you honor? Are you living in a way that you are someone that you value? <clears throat> if not, then why? That's the challenge of love at this next stage that we bring into this winter time, is to understand what am I doing instead of becoming a man or a woman that I deeply respect, honor, and value. I mean, let's be practical about this. Okay, so I'm talking about your mountain and your lake, and maybe that's a little too esoteric, but let's look at it this way. If you wanted to honor an adult that you respect and deeply value in your life, what would you do? How would you express that to that person? Would you send them a bunch of food they shouldn't be eating, talk about football games or gossip about TV shows, and then invite them to come over and binge watch something on TV? Is that what you would do? Well, you would offer to someone that you truly respect and wish to emulate in your life? No. But often when I ask someone, so how do you love yourself? Those are the kinds of things they talk about. 
indulgence and denial. They don't talk about being willing to honestly and compassionately connect with the aspects of themselves they don't want to connect with and bring the true aspects of themselves home. So you wouldn't do that if you wanted to honor and respect someone. So why do you do that to yourself? What would you do if you truly respected yourself? What would you do if you truly honored yourself? And perhaps the better question is, what would you stop doing if you respected yourself, if you honored yourself? What would you do if you valued yourself? How would you show that? What do you need to do to become a person that you deeply love and respect? So this is the work of uncovering this true Shen spirit of the heart. So the challenge of love requires that we lean into the mountain and spend time in actual loving actions. Loving actions aren't indulging your addictions. Loving actions aren't about lazing around and doing nothing. They might be about resting and relaxing, but they are also about then taking that rest and relaxation into this deeper yin work to travel to the mountain, to return to the source, to be with the yin lake and ask the lake to reflect for you where it is within yourself you need to reconcile your relationship with yourself so that you are someone you deeply love, deeply honor and deeply respect. So in this sort of first phase of this challenge of love, it is about taking the actions to free your child from the wounded stories. And at the next phase of meeting the challenge of love, it's about taking actions to free your adult from the expectations and limitations um, and the qualities others of others that you have taken on. It's about individuating from your parents and stepping out into the world as someone that you love and respect, which may be like your parents and it may be different. It may be like your culture expects you to. It may be different. But the point is you are someone that you honor and value. The path that you will have walked is from needing love as the child um, to who am I and why am I here as the adult? And this is the part of the path where you actually then need to begin to choose to become someone that you love. And so as you move into this sort of third challenge, the challenge of love, it's about what are you doing now with your life? And so the focus of the life becomes a focus on your soul's purpose. It's very me-focused. And relative to those of you that were um, to overextend it out into others' lives and meeting other people's needs, it's going to feel selfish. Deal with it. The point is at this phase, meeting the challenge of love is about loving your own unique purpose enough to do it, to make it the focus and the singular responsibility of your life. The focus is no longer on others and what you do that makes them love you but it is upon yourself and your capacity for love and bringing your soul's purpose into the world. So that might change the way that you parent. It doesn't mean you throw your kids away. Your kids are some, how you parent needs to be an expression of your soul's purpose. Right? How you do your work might change because you want to do it as an expression of your soul's purpose. And if that's absolutely impossible, then you're going to need to change your work. But the point is, it's about how you're doing what you're doing in your life. So it's focusing then on your purpose, your gifts, your medicine, and becoming a person you love enough. You are independent from your parents, independent from others, and focusing on not 
getting your sense of self from the outside in, but knowing it from the inside out because you respect yourself, you love yourself, and you honor yourself. So this is the time of falling in love, not only with yourself, but why you are here. And this is this whole thing is happening at the mountain. So it's really got nothing to do with your ego and your personality. It has to do with your character. It has to do with your soul and your heart and whether or not you allow those energies to radiate out through the person that you choose to be in the world. So yes, I am saying it is about falling in love with your true self and why you are here. Falling in love with the feeling of meaning and purpose that nourishes your heart and that engages your mind challenging you to understand how do I bring this true self, these true gifts out into the world. It is the independence ultimately that you will come to realize. It is through this independence actually that ultimately you will come to realize a higher truth about love, which is the reality of interdependence. And the challenge of love that moves us on and moves in you. So when we are doing what other people expect us to do, when we are diminished by other people's needs, when we are when we are caught in the stories, we are connected in in a way that we don't love ourselves. So yes, we're interdependent, but in a way that is not fundamentally based on loving ourselves honoring respecting ourselves we actually usually are a person we don't really respect and this is the kind of person that also you know dies from terminal niceness from some sort of cancer or chronic or terminal disease so what what the challenge of love is is to love yourself enough to individuate to become independent to know yourself to respect yourself to honor yourself to value yourself and in the doing of that know that you will discover true interdependence like in an ecosystem how all the individual beings in the ecosystem are interdependent you will find a kind of interdependence that you could lose yourself in but then you lose your place in the great system of that interdependence that that interdependence requires you to be you and it is a, a level of interdependence where of mutual respect, mutual honor, mutual love. And the only way you can get there, get into that challenge of love, of true interdependence, is to love yourself enough as an individual to discover it. There's no other way there. So, for some of you, you may already be at this place. You may have already done those other challenges. So then what you bring as you lean into the mountain is you bring this question of your purpose. You start to question that sense of my purpose that got you there. It's important. You've got to have that passionate falling in love with my purpose to get you there. But then you begin to question your purpose. Why does it matter? It's not that you question yourself. This isn't self-doubt. It's about questioning your purpose as you're beginning to recognize that your purpose actually is meant to play this larger role in, well, to play a role in the bigger picture. It's not just your purpose. It's a piece of a bigger picture. And so the challenge of love then becomes, how do I love myself and the all that is without losing myself and my heart's memory of why am I here? How do I hold that knowing why I'm here and doing it and really loving that so that I do my part in the bigger picture while I expand myself to love the bigger picture as well? So that's the next challenge of love. And this challenge of love now can take many forms. And this is what you bring to the mountain. Wherever, If that's where you are in meeting the challenge of love, that's what you bring to the mountain. And recently... Um, a colleague 
was telling a story um, about this in terms of judgment and the sense of realizing that they were much able to be non-judgmental about those who were powerless but they were challenged in being non-judgmental about those who abused their power and so of course you lean into the mountain and look into the lake and ask to be seen all those places within yourself that you are misusing your power and how do you then reconcile with those aspects of yourself so that you become on even a deeper level someone that you love and honor and respect and so these aspects then of working in the winter time with this kidney energy of learning to adapt to a more mature adult way to understand ourselves come into play again so it's the same work of the winter working with the kidneys and the water element but doing it at each level of this challenge of love each we bring ourselves to the mountain wherever we are and meet this an endeavor to meet the challenge of love which is to love more fully and more deeply so particularly these last aspects which is as we learn and adapt to a more mature adult way of understanding ourselves we can accept and draw from the gifts of our shadow selves or from the gifts of our selves that misuse power from these places that we've seen in ourselves, we're not happy with we can begin to draw the gift of ourself out of that as we reflect and transform with patience and compassion we become more trustworthy to ourselves more honorable to ourselves and from that then unfolds this deeper understanding of our past and we gain greater wisdom we learn from our life this is constantly about learning from our life and cultivating greater inner wisdom that allows us to engage then with the lake filling that yin lake so that we can go out in the world and express this greater love greater sense uh, truer sense of ourself and that this becomes then the energy of engaging our potential not only our potential to bring our medicine or our gifts to the world but our potential to love, love ourselves, love the bigger picture, to love the world, to love life. So we feel this courage then that comes from this transforming into bravery and then the bravery then moves us out on the world. So let's say that you're one of those people who's been here for a while and you've met all of these challenges of love loving the child loving yourself as an adult loving your own purpose loving the the bigger world and your purpose as part of this bigger world then what's the challenge of love for you as you as you dive into the return and travel to the mountain and look for that reflection in the lake so in, in, the, in the cycle teachings, the way we talk about this next challenge of love, this next phase, is we talk about true love as something apart from the personal love that we imagine. Uh, the Qigong master that I study with, Master Lee, talks about the distinction between selfish love and the big love. And in, in the cycle teachings, we talk about true love. And so to, to express true love then is to move beyond your perceived limitations as a human and the fears that arise and to trust the mountain, trust the source. And to live in a way, day by day, that keeps the yin lake full so you can draw from that lake and be an expression of true love in the world. Loving yourself, loving your work, loving the bigger system into which that work plays a part. But that this is the greater challenge of love. And this is not an emotional thing to do. It is a fiercely focused thing to do. 
I actually have a student right now in the cycle teachings who is just this leader wanting to be born to be able to really be this fierce and focused leader and really moving true love in the world. But right now, she gets triggered by every emotional thing and falls out of focus. And so my point about true love is this is a place where our emotional life is no longer a distraction. It is a great, rich, and nourishing support for who we are because we're not indulging our emotions. We're not triggered by stories we haven't reconciled yet. I mean, this is, this is what the return is about, is getting to a place where our emotional life adds richness to our character, allows our spirit to move on with honesty and integrity in the world, that we have an emotional template that is played by the way we engage in life, but we do not indulge and we do not in deny that our emotions are real and they are appropriate in the moment. And they never knock us off course, that we can stay focused and aligned in our fierce love for what it is that we are doing. The emotions are real, the emotions are moving, but we are not in this place where we're like, oh my God, I'm having an emotion, everything has to stop. There's way too much of that in America these days. Oh my God, I'm triggered. You all have to stop behaving how you're behaving. I don't think so. Meet the challenge of love. So to meet this challenge, to bring, be an expression of true love in the world, it's about giving over the self that you have shaped. You know, you shape this self as someone that you love and honor and respect and giving that self over to true love. It's about giving over your soul's purpose. It's not my purpose anymore. It is a part of the great dreaming. And it's about understanding your purpose in the larger fabric of this great dreaming. Seeing it in that and knowing it as yours and not yours. And allowing this fierce loving energy to move through you into the dream as part of the manifestation of this dream, even as it's moving all around you and through you. And for some of you, this is where you lean into the mountain this winter, is how to begin to be this uh, conduit through which true love manifests in the world, through your words, through your actions, through whatever your purpose is. But it's no longer about my true calling. You know it's your true calling. It's about how your true call calling weaves in to the greater fabric of that great dreaming and trusting the dreaming to move you. And so back to Taoistic language, trusting the mountain, living in a way that keeps that yin lake filled so you can trust the source to move through you it's a manifestation of true love in the world. And so I'd like to close today's show with the true love prayer that is part of our work here at Last Mass Center and in the community that uh, endeavors to learn and to live the cycle teachings. And so I offer this to all of you in your winter time as you lean into the mountain. And begin to do the work of self-reflection in the yin lake. And become a man or a woman that you truly love. That you truly respect and value. So on that journey, may divine grace be your companion. As you hold the vision in stillness and find the faith that true love is real. May the path be clear for you to act in wisdom. To know courage in devotion and find laughter along the way. May you be enriched by the wonder and majesty of love, love that attends to all, love that cares, love that is in the silence. May true love be the expression of power in the world, and may we be the ones to bring it. So may the ancestors gather around and help us in that endeavor. And we give thanks for their presence. May we align these efforts with the dreaming of the earth herself. And we give gratitude for the earth below. 
may be inspired by the energies above and we give thanks for the sky above. And we give deep gratitude for the heart that unites us all. And may we each step up ever more fully into the challenge of love. So for those of you that would like to join me this winter, I will be um, at Yoga Dreams and Dreaming, exploring the second state of consciousness at the Sivananda Ashram in the Bahamas. Please uh, come and join us there with Robert Moss and Ed Tick and others in this field of dreaming. And if you are inspired by the cycle teachings, you can join me for that. It begins again in 2015 in July, July 5th through 10th. Um, you can join me for Master of Illusion and the Authentic Self. So thank you everyone and have a great winter as you return to your mountain and see your own reflection in the lake.